that music doesn't either pump you up or make you angry. I don't know, something. But uh, my name is Ryan Coggins. I'm the executive pastor at Life Church, and it's always a privilege to be able to speak uh, at a weekend service, and always uh, glad to do it, and glad to have the opportunity. Pastor Aaron and Tammy are celebrating their 17-year anniversary this weekend. Yeah. Um, so, so gave him the weekend off just to enjoy and relax. And so uh, next weekend, he's going to be back as we, can t- as we kick off a brand new series called Thin Ice. And so I encourage you, uh, there's a little invite card. We'll talk about it at the end a little bit. Uh, give you a little sneak peek as to what that's going to be all about. But um, love to have you join us for that. But first things first, we are concluding a four-part series today uh, called Marked. And if you've been with us for any part of this series, you've known that uh, we're walking through the book of Jonah in this chapter. And the book of Jonah is a very, uh, it, it's a very fascinating uh, story in the Bible, and it's something that we believe historically happened, and, and we kind of walked through that over the last several weeks. But there's a lot, if, if you've missed any parts of it, this is one of those chapters, chapter 4, uh, you can begin turning there now, we'll get there in a minute, but chapter 4 is one of those chapters that if you miss the first three chapters, it's, it's even more strange. Um, it, it's a strange chapter by itself, but if you miss the first three, it's really out there, and so kind of catch you up a little bit. Many of you probably know, know the story, but just a, a little refresher. First of all, uh, Jonah is a prophet of God. He's a man of God, and God asks him to go to the city of Nineveh and to uh, tell the people there to repent or their city is going to be destroyed uh, within 40 days. And so Jonah says, no, I'm not doing that. And he actually runs away from God, gets on a ship, and goes 2,000 miles in the opposite direction. And while he's on that ship, God sends a storm, and the sailors are freaking out. What do we do? And so um, Jonah says, throw me overboard, and uh, the, the seas will be calm. And they do that, and, and the seas become calm. And then God sends a, a giant fish some think that it's a whale, Jonah and the whale, uh, to actually swallow up Jonah. And in the first chapter, we, we find that you can run from God, but you cannot outrun God. And then in the second chapter, and in week two, Pastor Aaron kind of talked about it. Basically, Jonah is, is in the belly of a whale for, for three days and three nights, and he just cries out to God and just, just basically lets it all out and says, I'm you know, let me have a second shot at this. And so we find out that God is the God of second chances. And Pastor Aaron talked about that last weekend. And in chapter 3, what basically happens is Jonah actually goes to Nineveh, obeys God, does what he should have in the first place. God is the God of second chances. And he tells the people, not only for, is God the second, God of second chances for Jonah, but he's also the God of second chances for the people of Nineveh. It gives them a second chance and the people repent. 120,000 people lived in the city of Nineveh. It was a very wicked and vile, ungodly city, and all of them do a 180 right there. I mean, it's, it's one of the most amazing stories, one of the most amazing miracles in, in the entire Bible, and it happens, and Jonah is, is, the re, is the tool that God uses to make that happen. And this is where we pick it up in chapter 4. This miracle has just taken place. And this chapter is one of those ones that it's like, why, why is that in the Bible? Shouldn't, the, shouldn't Jonah have just been done after chapter 3? You know, it's kind of like we could tie a nice little bow on it and say, and everybody lived happily ever after. That's kind of how chapter 3 uh, leaves us. But that's not what happens. In fact, there's a part, uh, chapter 4 um, is a little bit disturbing. It's a little bit like, what is going on with this chapter? Why is this in the Bible at all. And what we do is um, we really see 
kind of the other side, the, the dark side, if you will, of Jonah. And uh, throughout this, this book of the Bible, we've been paralleling how our lives are very much uh, intertwined with Jonah and how the, the same principles, it's not just de- a descriptive book, but it's very much a prescriptive book, how there are principles that apply to our lives and how we can very much be like Jonah a lot of the time. But this fourth chapter is just wacky. It is just weird. It's like, what is going on here? It's kind of like if you, walk through, um, if you walk through the woods and you see a big rock, have you ever lifted up the rock before? And you look underneath and there's all sorts of bugs and beetles and spiders. I kind of have a little, little bit of a fear of spiders and I don't really care for spiders. And by I don't care for them, I mean sometimes I scream like a little girl when I see them and I tell... My wife, Amanda, please go and help me with this. I'm not really a big fan of spiders. I don't really like all that, but you lift up the rock and there's all sorts of stuff underneath that, or like a landscaping paver, you lift it up, everything that's underneath it. God kind of lifts up the rock of Jonah's life and says, what's up with all this stuff? And today, if you are a Christ follower, I want you to simply be open to what God wants to do in your life today. I just want you to be open to what God wants to speak to you that allow God to lift up the rock and see what's, what's underneath that. If you're not a Christ follower here today, you're a little bit off the hook, okay? This, this chapter of the Bible, um, the application part of it is not as much geared towards you as it is to people who consider, consider themselves Christ followers. But if you're not a Christ follower, my prayer for you, my prayer all week has been, this chapter really shows you the character and the heart of God, Maybe better than any other chapter in the Bible. It really shows how loving the God that we serve is. And my prayer for you today is that you would simply feel that today and allow that to work in your life. So chapter 4, let's pick it up. In, in verse 1, this is what it says. So 120,000 people just get saved and this is what it says. But th- this made Jonah very unhappy and he became angry. So he's, he's upset. He prayed to the Lord, when I was still in my own country, this is what I said would happen, and that is why I quickly ran to Tarshish. I knew that you are a God who is kind and shows mercy. You don't become angry quickly, and you have great love. I knew that you would choose not to cause harm. So now I ask you, Lord, please kill me. It is better for me to die than to live. Now, the first time reading through that, it's like... Talk about dramatic. I thought my kids were dramatic. I don't know. Who, who, who here has kids? Raise your hand if you have kids. Okay. Then you probably know what I'm talking about when kids can have just the most erratic tantrums. Just like out of nowhere. You're like, where did that come from? I have a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter and a one-and-a-half-year-old son, and my one-and-a-half-year-old son, he's in a phase right now. I'm calling it a phase. I'm believing it's a phase um, where it is just, man, he has high highs but he has low lows, and when I say low lows, I mean evil lows. I mean, they are like, goodness, what is up with this kid? It is just not, it's not pleasant. And so we're working through that, hopefully. Um, but just the other day, we're, we're um, I don't know if you guys have discovered Mr. Freezy's, but you get a, like a box of 100 for five bucks. I mean, it's just awesome. We have a box that we've had in there for like three years in our freezer, and so occasionally the kids will, I'll forget about them, the kids will ask for them, and so... I was given both of them a Mr. Freezy after dinner just this last week. And my son has this Mr. Freezy. And my only rule on Mr. Freezy's 
is it has to stay in the kitchen, okay? Or the dining room, but where there is a hard surface that's easily wipeable. Um, I found out that my little OCD with not liking messes is not meshing well with parenthood, and it's just, it's just, uh, little advice, this is a free tip today. Um, if you are, have little kids, do not buy new furniture until they're over the age of five, okay? Just don't even mess with it. It's not even worth it because it's, anyway. So they're in the kitchen eating these Mr. Freezies, and my son, I'm in the living room, and he comes around the corner and just walks right into the living room, just like staring me down, just walks in the living room on the carpet with the Mr. Freezy. I'm like, Ben, turn around and go to the kitchen. No, he yells out. Okay, I saw some of your head pops up. That means scare you. No, that, that's his favorite word, which is just awesome. And so he says, no, I'm not, I'm, no. He shakes his head like a little bobblehead. No, you know. I'm like, yes, turn around and go to the kitchen. No. I'm like, okay, well, so I go over to him, I pick him up, and I just physically just move him to the kitchen. And what happens? He chucks his Mr. Freezy, hits the floor pretty, pretty hard, pretty violently, and just begins to scream at the top of his lungs, just like bloody murder, how could you do this to me type of, type of a thing, just throws a complete tantrum. You've probably been there before where you're like, and if you actually get angry, it just kind of makes things worse. And so you're like, eh, I don't even care anymore. So you're just, I don't even know what to say to this. And so he's in one of those phases uh, right now. Jonah's doing the same thing to God right here. He's just throwing a complete conniption, a complete tantrum over something that was actually good that God did. He's just throwing a complete fit about it. Why is Jonah upset? What could possibly be making him so angry? And the, the, the answer is almost too obvious and too um, painful at times. Jonah doesn't think Nineveh deserves God's mercy. Just real simple. Jonah doesn't think that God should have saved the city of Nineveh. And just to help you understand a little bit, I know Pastor Aaron talked about it, but if you missed that week, Nineveh was a bad city. I mean, it was a vile city. They would do things, if you weren't a Ninevite and you were caught walking through the city, they would hang you up between two horses and literally fillet every piece of skin off your body and just let you sit there to suffer. Just not good stuff. I mean, they would do things like if you were walking through the city and and your friend that was walking with you was not a Ninevite, they would cut your friend's head off and give it to you, and make you walk around the perimeter of the city several times. I mean, that's the type of stuff that was going on in Nineveh. They were a completely ungodly city, very, very vile, very violent, and far from God. And and, and Jonah's just like, I don't think they deserve God's mercy. I don't think they deserve it. And in fact, he goes as far as to say, that's why I didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place. It's not that Jonah was scared of the Ninevites, although he had reason to be. It's not that he was scared of what they might do to him. He was scared of what God might do for them. He was scared that that God was actually going to, you know, they were going to repent and God was actually going to save them and God was actually going to show them mercy. He says, you know, God, I know you too well. I know how loving and how compassionate you are. I know you're just going to turn right around and forgive them. Like that's just the worst thing in the world. But Jonah's response to God saving Nineveh reveals something about him it's kind of that whole underside, underneath the rock type thing that I think also can often reveal something about us as Christ followers if we're not careful. It's this, Jonah was surrendered to the laws of God, but not the purposes of God. Jonah was surrendered to the laws of God, but not the purposes of God. I'm going to explain this because this, this is my only point today, okay? This, I don't have like three, four. This is my only point, and we're going to keep 
revisiting this point. What do I mean by that? Jonah was surrendered to the laws of God, but not the purposes of God. Jonah was a good guy, okay? He was a prophet. I mean, he made the Bible. He was, he was, he, he was in the Bible. That, that, that's usually, you know, that makes you pretty good. He was a good guy. He was, he was a guy that followed all the laws of God, and he was surrendered to what God wanted to do in his own life. But Jonah was not completely surrendered to the purposes of God, and there is a, a very big difference. Jonah was not surrendered to what God wanted to do in the world. God's grace was good for him, but those people over there, uh, they've had their shot, and they're just a little too vile. They're just a little too, they don't really deserve the same grace that I've been shown. I'm, I'm a good guy. I've, I'm living right. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do, and, and I deserve God's grace, but those people, they're not quite to that point yet. They don't quite deserve it the way I do. And, and as a result, Jonah never made himself available to what God wanted to do in the world. And he became very judgmental, you know, saying, I'm better than that group of people. I, you know, I, I'm up here and those people are down here. See, what happens is when you become a very good person, but you're not surrendered to the, the purposes of God, when you're surrendered to the laws of God and you kind of, I go to church and I, I even knew some of the songs that we sang today. I knew some of the lyrics to that. I mean, I, I bring my Bible. I read my Bible. I, you know, I raise my kids well. I'm, a, I'm genuinely, as the Bible says, I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. I'm not perfect. Don't, don't misunderstand. But I'm a good person. I'm doing everything that I think I should be doing as a Christ follower. When, we, when you become a good person but you don't, aren't fully surrendered to the purposes of God, it just breeds us to be a judgmental type of, type of people. And this leaves a very bad taste in the mouth of people who are not Christ followers. In fact, Gandhi, he said it like this. He says, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your, your Christians are so not like your Christ. And what is, he, what is he saying by that? I believe he's saying this, this same type of a principle, that there's a lot of Christians that are surrendered to the laws of God, and they're, they're going to keep all the laws and be a good person, but they're not totally surrendered to the purposes of God. You can't be 100% sold out. You can be 100% sold out for the laws of God, but not the purposes, and it just leads you to be a judgmental person. As we keep reading in Jonah chapter 4, verse 4, it says this. This is, this is God's response to Jonah. Then the Lord said, Do you think it is right for you to be angry, punk? That, I added that, but I think it's... It's clearly implied that that's what God was trying to say. Um, but do you think you have any right to be angry? Do you have any right to be angry? Jonah, I just showed you mercy. I just saved you from a storm, and then I saved you again by providing a fish. I mean, I, I, I saved you time and time again. I gave you a second chance. I could have just struck you down, but I didn't. I have mercy and compassion. I gave you a second chance. I have provided so much love, so much compassion, so much mercy for you, and you've done nothing to earn it, nothing whatsoever. What, what are you angry about just because I did that for somebody else too who didn't deserve it just like you what are you angry about and this isn't the only time in the Bible that we see this exact type of dialogue uh, between God and man in fact if you uh, we're not going to turn there today but if you go to the, the the parable of the prodigal son it's it's a lot of the exact same stuff 
that's going on there. What happens in that story? There's two brothers. The first brother goes out, lives a wild lifestyle, rebels against his father. This is a kind of a metaphor between God and man. Lives a wild life, and finally, when he's at the end of himself, he realizes, I, man, I'm not living the way I'm supposed to live. He turns back. He goes back to his father's house. He's ex- expecting that he's going to get judged and probably punished by his father. But what happens? His father runs out to him, throws his arms around him, puts a ring on his finger, puts shoes on his feet, puts a robe on him, and says, man, I'm just happy to have you home. Let's throw a party. You know, let's have a party today because my son was lost and is now found. That's, what, that's the character of God. But there's a second brother, and a lot of times we don't talk about the second brother. There's a second brother who right after that, what does he do? He's angry, a lot like Jonah, because he's like, mm-mm, that's, that's not fair. I've lived this, in this house my entire life. I've been a good person. I've said all the right things. I've done all the right things. He even says, um, I've slaved for you, Father, and you've never thrown a party for me. You've never treated me like this. You've never, you know, put a ring on my finger. You never put a robe on me and shoes on me. What's up with that? Why are you doing this for this son of yours who goes and, you know, rebels and lives a wild lifestyle? Why aren't you doing that for me? And he gets angry. And what does God say to him? Son, I'm always yours and everything I have is yours. But you have to understand, I had to celebrate. We had to celebrate because this son was lost and is now found. He was dead and is now alive. Can't you see that? Can we celebrate this together? Jonah doesn't understand the character of God. I mean, he thinks he does. He knows, I mean, he knows that God is, is merciful. He knows that he's full of grace and compassion, but he doesn't really understand that. He really isn't sold out to the purposes of God. Let's keep reading Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 6. It says, Jonah went out and sat down east of the city. He pretty much ignores God's comment about being angry and just goes and sits down and is going to continue to pout. Uh, there he made a shelter for himself and sat in the shade, waiting to see what would happen to the city. He's just waiting to see. Maybe God will change his mind and destroy the city like I think he should. Uh, The Lord made a plant grow quickly up over Jonah, which gave him shade and helped him to be more comfortable. Jonah was very pleased to have the plant. And we'll just stop there for just a second. You know, it's, it's, I think, a point to be made here is that even in the midst of Jonah being completely angry with God and kind of rebelling against God and kind of just slamming God a little bit, Even in the midst of that, what does God do? He continues to comfort him. He continues to have provision for him. Even in the midst of his, I don't know if you've ever been through a time that's that's difficult. That's almost a rhetorical question. Everybody, you've been through something that's difficult. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where God, even in the midst, I, I had one of these just a few weeks ago, where even in the midst of my somewhat anger and frustration and what's up with this, why would you have to do this, that even in the midst of that, that God just continues to show grace. And if you're not a Christ follower today, can I tell you, this is, uh, this is the God that we serve. This is, this is why we serve. This. He's, he's a God that's full of compassion. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. And he's just waiting for us to just come home and just, he, he's there. He's not going to judge us. He's not going to say, well, if you do this, this, and this, then I'll, no, he's, he's just waiting for us with open arms. And you'd think this would cause Jonah to, to, um, uh, to see that he's wrong and see, oh, yeah, God, I get it. You provided a plant, and that's a reminder. And 
sure, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have said those things, I, I get it now, but it doesn't. Jonah, it even makes him more mad as we continue reading in verse 7. But the next day when the sun rose, God sent a worm to attack the plant so that it died. I, I just think that's funny. I don't know, that's just, just, just kind of like gotcha type of a thing, I don't know. As the sun rose higher in the sky, God sent a very hot east wind to blow, and the sun became so hot on Jonah's head that he became very weak and wished he were dead. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. Now, let me just tell you a little something. I, I can sympathize a little bit with Jonah on this one. Uh, that part of the world would get up to 120 degrees. He's in modern-day Iraq. I don't do well in heat, and, and so I, I've said some pretty regrettable things, um, when my core temp gets up, like 75, that's like as, as hot as, I, I don't know if anybody's with, I'm, I'm from Minnesota, I'm not, you know, some of you are like, well, then why are you wearing so many layers right now? And I'm wondering the same thing, because this is ridiculously hot, I'm just going to tell you right now. So, um, just, it made sense in my mind, but it's, it's not working out. But, uh, you know, it, he's just incredibly frustrated with God, he's like, I am just, ah, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I just scared a couple of people, I saw your heads pop up. I'm just so frustrated, God. It's hot. I'm sweating. I got sandals on, and the, the wind is creating the dust, and the, my sweat is paste, and it's just not a good situation. I just, I'm just so frustrated. Everything is going wrong, and God calls him out. God finally just says, okay, I'm going to stop being nice God, and I just want to tell you how it is. And so in verse 9 through 11, this is what it says. But God said to Jonah, do you think it is right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah answered, it is right for me to be angry. I am so angry I could die. I need to call suicide hotline at this point. This is the third time he's claimed that he wants to die from this. And the Lord said, you are so concerned for the plant, even though you did nothing to make it grow. It appeared one day and the next day it died. Then shouldn't I show concern, the same word that he uses about the plant, shouldn't I show concern for the great city Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who do not know right from wrong, and many animals too. The end. That, that's, that's the end of the book of Jonah. So I'm going to just pray for you, and we're going to go home. I'm just kidding. But it's like, that's just an abrupt ending. And I'll be honest with you, I did a little study, and I don't even get the significance of the and many animals too part um, it's just kind of a, this is bad literary style. I mean, this is just not, it's kind of like a movie with a bad ending. What's going on here? But I think God, again, is, is just, he's making a point. He's making the same exact point that we just talked about just a minute ago. Jonah was surrendered to the laws of God, but not the purposes of God. And we see this because Jonah's concerns don't reflect God's concerns at all. They're just, they're on two different wavelengths altogether. God is saying, Jonah, I'm concerned about the Ninevites. I'm concerned about a lost and dying generation that if they do not, if they do not turn from their evil ways, they're going to hell. I mean, I'm concerned about that. Jonah, what are you concerned about? It's stinking hot out here. That's what I'm concerned about. I'm just, I'm sweating. I don't even know what to do. I'm losing my, Jonah, I'm concerned about 120,000 people that don't know right from wrong. I'm concerned. That, that, that grieves my spirit. I'm, I'm concerned about the Ninevites. What are you concerned about? Well, I had a plant until you caused a worm to kill it, and now I don't even have a plant anymore, and so I want to die. And he says, no, no, Jonah, I, I'm concerned 
Just as I made that plant, I made every single one of those Ninevites, and I care deeply for them. No matter what they've done, I care deeply for them. Jonah, what are you concerned about? I don't, man, I got a, a long walk home. That's what I'm concerned about. This is, I'm really far from home right now, and I don't have little ASIC insert gels in my sandals, and I got a little bunion going on. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know what, I'm making stuff up right now, but God's concerns are, are on a different level than what Jonah's concerns are. And before we throw the rock at Jonah and say, how could he not get that or not understand that, I, I, I feel the same thing with God, the same dialogue with me and God sometimes. Where God's saying, Ryan, I'm concerned about a lost and dying generation. I'm concerned about so many people that do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and according to scripture will die and face eternity apart from me in hell. That, that's what I'm concerned about. Ryan, what are you concerned about? Well, I've just filled up at the gas pump and it's like $3.29 a gallon. Good night. It's just expensive right now. I remember when it was 80 cents or some of you are like, I remember when it was free or, you know, I don't know. Or it was so inexpensive. Ryan, I'm concerned that you have friends and family that do not know Christ. I'm concerned about your friends and family. I'm concerned about where they might spend eternity. What are you concerned about? Well, um, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm from Minnesota. And I don't know if you've looked at um, the sports teams in Minnesota lately, but I'm concerned about the future. Uh, you know, I, I, it's just not going so well right now, you know. Ryan, I'm, I'm concerned about one billion people on this planet that do not, have never heard the name Jesus Christ before. One billion people that have never heard the name Jesus Christ. What are you concerned about? You know, my son has a rash right now, and I'm not sure, should we take him in, should him, you know. Whatever it might be, we so often can fall, where our concerns, they're, they're, it's not that they're bad concerns, it's not that God doesn't care about the little details, he cares about the little details of Jonah's life too, but overarching, man, so often my concerns don't reflect God's concerns. And it, it, that's not just a neutral thing, it's not like, oh, oh well, well, we'll move on. It, because I believe that when our concerns don't match God's concerns, we become an obstacle to others coming to faith in Christ. It's not just we become neutral. We literally become an obstacle to other people coming to faith in Christ. And this is exactly where Jonah found himself. He was concerned about all the wrong things. You know, he was, he, he was concerned about the wrong things in life. He was all about his life. He's about his comfort, his shade, you know. He, it was all about him. And it wasn't about the people around him. It wasn't about a city of Nineveh, which even though they had done a lot of bad things, God cares about them too, and God wants to be their savior as well. And my fear is that so often the church can fall victim of the same thing, where we can be marginalized in society because of the same attitude. And, uh, you know, there's only 8% only of churches are, are growing right now in America. 92% of churches are plateaued, or declined. And I have to believe that a big part of that reason is because there's a lot of Christ followers, myself included at times, where our concerns don't match God's concerns. They don't reflect the concerns of God, and we become an obstacle to others coming to faith in Christ. I, I, man, if we were sold out to what God wanted to do in the world, we have such an irresistible message. I mean, the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ is so irresistible that there's, there's not a person on the planet, if they truly understood and felt that, that, that they wouldn't just, 
you know, it, it just makes so much sense. It's, it, 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 it's so irresistible. The love of God is so irresistible. It's a message that we have, but so often we can become part of the problem instead of part of the solution. We can get in the way of what God wants to do in this world. The minute we're content with just being good people and it stops at that point, we become an obstacle to what God wants to do in the world. And, and I know I've been, this is a, kind of a harsh message. This is kind of like, because this chapter is very, very direct to Jonah and it's very direct to us as Christ followers. The good news is that I believe Life Church. I believe if you look around, you're watching this on the West Campus, if you're watching this online, if you're here in Germantown, man, there's a lot of people at Life Church that get this. There's a lot of people at Life Church that I believe are surrendered to the purposes of God. If that weren't the case, there's a lot of things that just wouldn't happen at Life Church. Last weekend, man, 1,477 people were at Life Church. That's the second most we've ever had apart from Easter last year. I mean, there's just 1,477, 233 of them were first time guests. Never had attended Life Church before. They attended for the first time last weekend. What's the most exciting part of that? 23 of them uh, made first-time decisions for Christ. That's incredible. Two of those, this is even, to me, a little bit more crazy than that, is that two of those people were watching online, okay? They, they weren't even here. And some of you are like, you know, trying to see what's up with the whole online campus. I'm, that's like the fourth or fifth person that's made a decision to follow Christ by just simply not even living in the same state, by being somewhere completely different and making it. I mean, that doesn't happen unless there's a group of people that are surrendered to the purposes of God. I mean, it's the reason why uh, over 200 people over the last two years have gone on missions trips. It's why $354,000 was given to missions last year at, at, at Life Church. That doesn't happen without people who are surrendered to the purposes of God. That's why Prime 29, we're going to talk about it in a minute, is nearly paid for. That's why we're going to be building a new building here at the Germantown campus and continue to expand. That's why there's a West Campus. If you're watching this, there's people that are just watching this, sitting down in a movie theater in the middle of Sunday morning, watching this through video, and people are coming to faith in Christ and lives are being changed. That doesn't happen without a people and a group of people who are surrendered to the purposes of God. There's a lot of people here that I, I believe you, you get this and you understand this and you understand that Life Church is not all about you. You understand that once you become a Christ follower that it's kind of like join arms and let's, let's tackle this city together. Let's take it on together. And that's why some of you, I'm just gonna, I, I've had conversations with you. I know not everybody here likes the music. <laughs> I know that's like the number one reason people leave churches. I don't like the music. I don't know about all the, the, the flashy lights. And I, you know, but there's several people in this room. You understand that it's not about, it's not, you, you've, you've traded in some of your own personal preferences to say, what's it going to take to reach a lost and dying generation? You know, you've traded, people in this room, you do this thing that's just kind of crazy to me. You trade in your time, your talent, and your treasure. We talk about it all the time but you actually give and you say, I'm going to give of my finances sacrificially because uh, just believe it or not, the gospel is free, but getting it out is very, very expensive. And so there's people in this room that you're just like, man, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm surrendered to the purposes of God. But I believe we could have so much more impact if everybody, if we had more people with that heart, because I, I don't believe everybody has that, that same heart. And I believe all of us at times can fall victim to committing the same exact sin as Jonah. I myself, 
You know, I can think of examples in my life where I'm just like, man, I, God, I don't, that, that day, that moment, I mean, I wasn't completely surrendered to your purposes. I know we're not perfect. That's not what I'm getting at at all. We're, we all make mistakes. We're all going to have moments of being a little absorbed in, in our world, and I, I get that. But overall, have you surrendered to what God wants to do in the world? And that's the question for us today. Am I surrendered to the purposes of God? That's the question. That's the one question for you. Am I surrendered to the purposes of God? I, I'm not, I can't answer that question for you. But am I really surrendered to what God wants to do in the world? Do I re- really have a burden for people that are lost and are dying and going to hell if they don't have a chance to hear about Jesus Christ? Our greatest potential as a church, I believe, is not a sermon you know, I don't, I don't need you a- after this service to say good, good sermon, you know. Uh, sure, you, that, that's great. It's not about a good sermon. It's, it's not about, um, Pastor Aaron brings the word hot and fresh every single weekend, but it, that's not what has the greatest potential here at Life Church. It's not about a great service. It's not about any of that. It, it, it's about linking arms with God. It's about becoming an extension of what God wants to do in the world. God isn't impressed with us being surrendered to his laws. That, that's just something that he expects. He, he wants us to be surrendered to his purposes. And I'm not going to draw out a bunch of um, um, just do this, this, and this, and this is how you can see this happen in your life. And if you would just spend a little bit more time in prayer, if you just, because uh, I don't think it's about that. I don't think it's about these specific application points. I think it's simply just answering the question, am I surrendered to the purposes of God in the world? Am I really surrendered to the fact that God wants to use me in my workplace? Am I really surrendered to the fact that there are people, do you have a burden and a passion? Do you lose sleep over the fact that there's people that you come into contact with that every day that just need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will you be an extension of that? Will you be surrendered to that. And I asked myself the same exact question. In fact, this week, just, re- just working through this sermon, where God several times just stopped me, and I just was like, God, I don't want to commit the same sin as Jonah. I don't want to be so wrapped up in being a good person and doing the right thing and living a good Christian life that I forget about what it's all about, that I can let the work of God kill the work of God in me. And we can all have that happen if we're not careful. And so today, the only thing I'm going to ask you to do is simply ask the question, am I surrendered to the purposes of God? And I've asked the band, we're going to play a song, and I'm not going to ask you to stand and sing. I want you to simply sit. I want you to reflect. Because the lyrics of this song, it's a song that many of you are very familiar with. It's a song we've sang here. It's called Mighty to Save. But the lyrics of this song, I believe, are very much the heartbeat of God. I believe the purposes of God are very much articulated very well in this song. And I want this song just to to resonate with you, just for a minute, just take a minute, just to reflect. If you want to get on your hands and knees and you want to pray, do it, that's up to you. But I encourage you just to take a minute to ask yourself the question, am I surrendered to the purposes of God? And let this song be our prayer today.